T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Hey, welcome to Sports Open Line. Good to be with you here on a Monday night. As uh, we did last week, we got so much stuff on the list today. We're not going to get to it all. Uh, That's good, though. We'll have time for it tomorrow. I got a full show tomorrow, full shows Thursday and Friday. Uh, My buddy Chris Ranji is going to join me for those shows as well. So uh, we'll be kicking a bunch of this stuff around again as we go deeper into the week because we can't get to everything today in an effort to get to as much as possible Probably going to have to be a little quicker on a few things than I would normally want to be, but that's just the way it is. We got an hour. Let's have an hour worth of fun, and obviously, we start with the world of football. We have our Super Bowl matchup, uh, and it's going to be a team that is really easy to root for and a team that is really hard to root for, <laughs> at least in in our region, of course. And, of course, the team that we're not going to want to root for is the Rams uh, and getting into the Super Bowl, the year that the Super Bowl is being held in Los Angeles, goes to show you once and for all that the NFL is rigged. No, No, it doesn't show that. I actually, you know, but I'll tell you this. I understand. I understand why people go all tinfoil hat on this stuff. I do. I I completely get it. Like, you know, Kroenke is the one that steps up with the money to build the stadium in L.A. Nobody else was willing to do it. He just lost another three quarters of a billion dollars in the lawsuit settlement, and you know we'll pay. He'll get his payback. I I don't believe it for one primary reason. Like I don't believe that the NFL is rigged. I don't believe that any sport is fixed. And e- even though again, a lot of people will tell you a lot of I shouldn't say a lot of people will tell you a lot of the conspiracy minded folks will tell you that you know the NBA is rigged. That everything's rigged in sports. And the reality is it's not. Because if it were and somehow, some way, the word got out, everybody's going to prison. I mean, that is fraud at a level that we would have never seen before. I mean, these are these are 10, 12, 15 billion dollar a year industries. And if it's shown that any of it is rigged, then people are going to prison. Like that is fraud at a at a massive level. People are spending money on a competition 
And if it turns out that it's not really a competition, if it's like professional wrestling, people are going to prison. And I don't, and I, I just don't think that any any of these human beings would risk any of that, considering how wealthy they are. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't believe any of it's rigged. I am, however, saddened by the fact that the Rams have to be in the Super Bowl this year. They didn't have to be, but the truth is, if you were going to rig it, you wouldn't have done it the way that you did. Because the Niners really should have won that game. Like, what did the NFL do? Pay Jaquaski Tart to drop that interception? Because if he catches that ball, game over, Niners win. And I'm not pinning on him, by the way. I'm just saying that that's one example of a play that had it simply been made. If Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't bad, the Niners would have won that game. So, yeah, you know what? It's not hard for us to see, but the Rams were the better team. As much as it sucks to say it, and as much and, and and you know, I don't really I know a lot of you agree with me on this. Like, I don't I don't have any problem with Sean McVay or or uh you know Les Snead or Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup. Like it's not about any of them. It's not about Aaron Donald. It is entirely about Kronke, and none of us want to see anything good happen to him. But just keep this in mind if you're looking. This is what I had to do last night. This is what I've done anytime something good happens for Stan. Like when he got the permission to move the team. Just remember that no matter what he does, no matter what he gets, no matter how much money he makes, he's a soulless ghoul either way. It doesn't help him. He doesn't feel any better. It doesn't fix anything for him. There is a gaping hole in that man that cannot be filled by money. This is why he can't stop in the pursuit of more wealth because there's nothing Nothing that will fill the hole. Nothing that will satisfy the beast that lurks inside his head. He is a flawed, damaged person, and that's why he does what he does. And he can't ever get enough. That's why he is the way that he is. It's why he and other people of that magnitude, of that wealth, can never stop chasing more wealth, no matter what it does to anyone else. No matter how many people it damages, no matter how many other people it hurts, it doesn't matter because all they know is they it's a black hole and you have to keep feeding yourself and none of it ever makes you feel better just so when whenever you're getting mad about Kronke this is what I do I just remember that he will always be a deeply unhappy person at the bottom of his person at the bottom of his soul he will always be that none of what he gets makes him actually happy because if it did he wouldn't be the way that he is so just you, you, that, that's a that, that's your uh, uh, what do you call it um, consolation if you need any, but yeah the Rams are in the Super Bowl, um, you know it was a, it was a it's too bad I, I you know it's too bad that we're gonna have to deal with this for the next two weeks. I highly recommend just tuning it out even if you're a big football fan. Like just stop going to NFL Network for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, maybe, maybe just kind of mute certain words on Twitter. If it bothers you, I'm not going to bother with it, uh, with that. Like I don't, I don't mute things on Twitter. I've never have, and I'm not going to bother now, but just maybe just stay tuned out because it's going to be a love fest, man. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be all these NFL, look at this beautiful place. And oh, isn't this wonderful that Stan, you know, you know, the slobbering is going to be happening for two weeks. So just, just ignore it. And then tune in for the game 
with your Bengals gear on. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. It is so sucky to watch the Rams in, in this year. Even if it's like next year, it wouldn't bother as much. But the fact that they get to do their own little two-week celebration of, look, guys, we're in L.A. Look at our great stadium. Like, okay. And I don't, again, I don't begrudge anybody on the field. The players are good. They are a really good team. They've got elite players and guys that are easy to root for. I think it's easy to root for Matt Stafford, who had to deal with being in a garbage franchise for years, and he finally gets out of that, and he's in the Super Bowl. I mean, like again, there are a lot of feel-good people on that team. It doesn't help any of us, though. I will say, and I want, I want to get to the AFC Championship game a little bit because we got to talk about the Chiefs and where they lost that game last night or yesterday afternoon. It was, that was a bad performance by the Chiefs. And I, and I do want to give the Bengals credit. I love the Bengals. They are my team going into the Super Bowl. I don't care for them otherwise, but I love the fact that they've dealt with all of the, the bad stuff. They've been horrible. They've gone through multiple versions of rebuilds. They haven't been to the Super Bowl in 40 years, and now they're back. I, I think there's a lot to like it. Joe Burrow's a dude. I love Joe Burrow. I absolutely love the I love the personality. I love the player. He's one of those next level guys. I said this a few weeks ago, and I don't think they're the same player, but they have a similar approach. But he's he he's a lot like Aaron Rodgers as a player. I'm not going to go with anything off the field. Just player. Like he's he's not afraid to take risks. He can he's he's got some athleticism to escape problems. He makes something out of nothing. He's got no fear. I love Joe Burrow. So at least I have a team to root for and a guy to get. But I want to talk about how the Chiefs blew the game, because they did. The Bengals did their part to win it, but the Chiefs left the door open. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the number one thing I wanted to get into overall from yesterday, aside from being sad that the Rams beat the Niners, is that I thought I was watching the NHL playoffs the last two games. Good God, did the officials swallow the whistles those two games or what? Like, were they told by the league, hey, just don't call anything? I mean, you got late hits out of bounds, no call. This is a league, by the way, all season long in the regular season that calls everything. Everything. If if the tip of your fingernail on your pinky hits the quarterback's helmet in the regular season, it's a 15-yard personal foul. Fred Werner just blows Matt Stafford up from behind after an interception when the play was already over and no call, nothing. They didn't call pass interference in the game. They didn't call hits out of bounds. I'm talking about either game yesterday, not just one. I mean, delay a game was basically optional, at least when it came to the Rams. They had four times the clock hit zeros and each time, oh, well, they, well, they get to play that. that that's they, they, can, they can snap the ball. It's okay. And I can't stand when that happens in sports. When the way the game is officiated changes in the postseason. Like, listen, man, it, it took 18 weeks, 17 games for these teams just to get into the playoffs. And they played all that time under a standard. And then you get to the playoffs and you change that standard. I hate it. That's one of the things that I hate more than anything about the NHL is how the postseason is different than the regular season. It's ridiculous. Play the game. Pick one. Pick one. It doesn't matter to me which one, but pick one. Either call the whole season like the playoffs 
or stop with the we're going to swallow the whistles in the playoffs thing. By the way, that's not, to me, it didn't change the outcomes of the games. Not blaming the refs for any of this because I, I think the teams that lost had plenty of their own opportunities to win the games. I already mentioned the Niners had their chances. Garoppolo missed a couple of big throws. They couldn't run the football. Their play calling was ludicrous. Their play, their 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 offensive game plan seemed to be okay. Let's run the ball every first down and get no yards, and then put our team in a position where we have to pass in situations where they know we're passing. It was a horrible, horrible. I mean, I, I thought Kyle, I thought Kyle Shanahan did a terrible job yesterday. I didn't think McVay was a hell of a lot better either, but his team was better. Now we're going to get to the AFC Championship game. And and look, I respect what the Bengals have done. They went into Tennessee and they beat the Titans. They went into Kansas City and they beat the Chiefs. They're legit. But they would not have won that game yesterday if the Chiefs didn't leave the door open. We're going to talk about how the Chiefs gave that game away in the first half yesterday. Next up on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, so let's get into the Chiefs and the Bengals for a second. Talked a little bit about where the Niners missed out on their opportunities. Um, to me, that entire game yesterday came down to the Chiefs' last drive in the first half. Their their failed drive at the end of the first half. They dominated the first half of play. They had a 21-10 lead and a chance to make it 28-10 going into the half. They get the ball with plenty of time. Got an opportunity to add some points to the mix. You just gave up a touchdown to the Bengals that let them back in, right? You were up 21 to 3, complete control. And you and you let the Bengals go down the field. Okay, look, the Bengals are a good team. They scored a touchdown. 
No worries. You had a chance to go tack on more. And you you end up with first and goal at the one with nine seconds left. Now, first of all, before we even get to that, clock management. Remember a couple weeks ago when I said, and people laughed at me, but I said, NFL coaches should have to spend hours every offseason playing Madden on Xbox or PlayStation to practice clock management because they suck at clock management. They do it wrong constantly. Well, Andy Reid did that yesterday, and it bit him in the ass. So on first and 10 at Cincinnati's 34, Patrick Mahomes completed a nine-yard pass to Travis Kelsey. That play, the, 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 the clock was started... The ball was snapped with 41 seconds left in the half. That was a nine-yard completion. 22 seconds ran off the clock before they ran the next play. 22 seconds. And at the time, you only had one timeout left, so you obviously wanted to save that for as long as possible so you could, at the very least, potentially kick a field goal, right? Well, you let twenty, you let half the clock run off between plays after a nine-yard play. Now you did go out there on the next play and complete a pass for fifteen yards. I'm sorry, for ten yards. Got you a first down, first and ten at the Cincinnati fifteen, and you had to call a timeout with thirteen seconds left. Now, if you had called that timeout after the other play. Or, I don't know, maybe ran to the line and got the playoff faster instead of taking 22 seconds off the clock. Because we know that a well-run team can easily get that that playoff in at least six or seven seconds less than that. Uh, You know, Dallas had trouble with 14 seconds. So let's say you could have saved yourself eight or nine seconds. Let's say eight seconds. If you could have saved yourself eight seconds instead of second and goal at the one with five seconds left, you have 13 seconds left. You had a whole bunch of other plays you could run. All things, all kinds of things available to you. We'll get back to that part in a second. So you call the timeout at the 13. Next play, there's a pass interference call. So now again, nine seconds left, first and one at the goal line. Incomplete pass on the next play. I know, again, I understand this is not an easy thing to do, right? To throw a pass into the end zone at one yard because you can't really. If you run the ball there and you get tackled, the, the clock runs out. You, you you don't have any timeouts anymore. You're dead. So what did the Chiefs do on second and goal from the one at five seconds? Well, they didn't run the ball, but they might as well have. If you're going to call the play that they did, which was a sideways pass to Tyreek Hill behind the line of scrimmage. If you were going to do that, Give the ball to one of your damn running backs that has a little bit more power than the 5'10", 180-pound wide receiver and let him run it in and give it give it your go. But the way that they managed those last 40 seconds from letting half the clock run off after a, after a nine-yard completion to the play calling from the goal line, but especially that last play call, was hysterically bad. Look, man, you've got one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He's a large person. He's a he's a nat, he's a he's a matchup nightmare. 
if you're going to do something quick there, why not something up top that only he can reach? Look, I get it. It's risky. But incomplete still stops the clock. Or better yet, just kick the damn field goal with five seconds left. If you don't have a better play lined up than what you ran with Tyreek Hill on there, if you don't have a better play than that on your sheet for that moment, second and goal from the one with five seconds left, kick the field goal. Take the points. They really shouldn't have to. They should have been they should have scored a touchdown there. Because what they ended up with was two cracks at a play from the one yard line. They really should have had at least three three cracks from the one yard line. Or at least two cracks plus the opportunity to kick the field goal at the end. But to me, I thought the Chiefs were a little cocky there at the end of the half. Almost as if the attitude was, we've moved the ball at will this entire game and we'll continue to do that. We get the ball back in the second half and we're going to be a little cavalier about all this. I don't think they really thought those words, by the way. It's just kind of how they, the, it's kind of how they were handling themselves. It was their body language. It was this. It was the pace with which they were playing. It was the type of plays that Andy Reid. It was almost that. Ah, even if we don't score here, we got the ball. They'll score in the beginning of the second half, and we'll extend that lead. And yeah, we all know what happened after that. The Chiefs completely fell apart in the second half. The Bengals made some adjustments on defense, changed the looks that they were giving Mahomes. Mahomes didn't handle it well, and that allowed Joe Burrow and the offense for the Bengals to get back into the game and eventually win it. But watching it on TV, it sure looked like the Chiefs got cocky because they were having such an easy time moving the football in the first half. They got a little cavalier with how they handled things in that final drive. And the fact that they didn't get any points there changed the game. They score a touchdown there. You're up 28-10 going into the half. I don't think they lose the game. But what they did was they, they ended up leaving it off on a happy note for the Bengals. So the end of the first half for the Bengals was a big touchdown drive on a big play to Pirine. And then they get a stop. They hold, they hold Kansas City to no points on their final drive. That's the end of it. And this game is sports are as much about your mental approach as it is about how your physical talent. There's so much psychology that goes into this. And if they had gone into the locker room down 28-10, to 10, having not stopped the Chiefs at all in the first half, you're not feeling as good. They got to go in there and they were like, whew, we got through it. We got some points. They didn't add on. Fellas, the door is open. The door is open. We're only down 11. This is... Uh, Again, I, I don't know this for a, the, for a fact, by the way. I mean, I, I understand you can't. There's no alternative reality where we can go back and look and see what would have happened. But I feel pretty good saying that if the Chiefs had handled that last drive better, it changes the game completely, everything that happens, especially if you score a touchdown. Hell, guys, even if you get the field goal there, it changes the sequence down the stretch. In that case, you don't need the field goal to tie the game at the end. That's a game-winning field goal at the end. The one that puts you into OT would have won the game and sent you to the Super Bowl. 
because of some poor play calling, poor clock management, and what appeared to be a little bit of cockiness at the end of the first half wound up blowing up on you because the Bengals adjusted, changed what they were doing on defense, and then Patrick Mahomes fell apart. He just did. There's no other way to describe it, by the way. He was I, I had he looked that bad sometimes last year against Tampa Bay. Right? But keep in mind in the Super Bowl last year, you know, the Chiefs had their two tackles out with injuries and Tampa had all these dudes. They were just blowing up the Chiefs offensive line and Mahomes was just basically no chance. That's how he looked for most of the second half yesterday. I mean, he made some wildly ridiculous decisions. That whole thing at the end of the... I know that Harrison Butker bailed him out by nailing the longer field goal, but to take the sack on that last drive on the third down play, to take to take like a 15-yard loss while you're running in circles going backward? Dude, get rid of the ball. Just accept the field. You, you, don't, you can't... And he fumbled. He got lucky that his offensive lineman fell on it. Reality is the Chiefs shouldn't even have been in overtime. And yeah, Mahomes played like crap. I'd still take him over every other quarterback in the league. (laughs) But his second half was terrible, and the Bengals did have something to do with that. But I think the Chiefs lost the game at the end of the first half. All right, I want to get into another football story from the weekend because we we had breaking news over the weekend, right, that Tom Brady was retiring. He still hasn't confirmed that, by the way. And there are, there are likely some contractual reasons why he hasn't confirmed that if he's even going to go that route. He said today on a show that he does with Jim Gray that he's not done with his process yet. But this, this set off a whole bunch of stuff over the weekend that you would expect, right? Is he the greatest of all time? Is there, you know, is, is there anybody in sports that's ever been better? All of that. And I want to get into a couple quick things because I, I don't think there's any question that Brady did it better than pretty much any quarterback has ever done it. It's hard to compare eras, right? I mean, I, it's really hard to compare Brady to Johnny Unitas as an example. But I also wonder, too, why we get sucked in to the dumbest sports debates, which is like, who's the greatest athlete of all time? As if there's a way to measure that, and we don't even frame the argument correctly. That's what I want to touch on next up here on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, sticking with some football here on a Monday night for just a little bit, and I got, uh, I'm got i going to finish with two quick baseball stories tomorrow. Now, pretty much everything that we're getting to today we'll probably get back to tomorrow as well. Just don't have enough time in one hour to cover it all, but we'll have a full show tomorrow and then full shows on Thursday and Friday this week with the, with the uh, Billikens playing on Wednesday night on the road at George Mason. So that'll take up Sports Open Line that evening. Uh, let's get to Tom Brady for a second. We, we don't know for sure that he's retiring. In fact, Brady said today on the on the show, the, the radio show that he does with with Jim Gray. I'm sure it's a podcast, but it's aired on, on SiriusXM. But he basically said, look, I'm not done with this process yet. 
and essentially said, I've never said anything about it. I'm not responsible for what other people have said. Now, it sounds like Brady's retiring, and it's it's probably true. The reports we saw over the weekend are probably true, but he's not making the announcement yet. Now, there's there's some contract things that are going on that might be playing into all this, like Brady's due a $15 million bonus on Friday of this week. Also, if he retires like right now, I think he owes the team like $16 million because of the NFL salary cap rules and the way that they moved money around when they brought him in and all of that. So there's some complications. Now, that's I read the story today, and I forget. It might have been an AP story, but I read a story today that was about like mentioning that the $16 million that he would owe back and that you know Marshawn Lynch owed that when he retired and the team just said, don't worry about it. We're good. We don't need, you don't have to pay us back. So, you know, I'm sure the Bucs would do that for Brady. I don't think I don't think there's going to be an issue there. But there are some cap implications about like when the paperwork is turned in for his retirement. So, he'll probably announce his retirement at some point soon. But it probably I I think they're going to set it up so it doesn't take effect until after June 2nd because then Tampa Bay gets some really big uh cap relief if they wait until after June 2nd to take him off the roster. So, regardless, sounds like he's going. And that set off what you would expect, right? I mean, I'm not even complaining that this stuff came up. It sets off the, you know, he's the GOAT. Which, by the way, again, can we can we just stop with the GOAT thing? Like, there is no such thing. Because they all, all the players that play in different eras just never, they don't, they don't even, Johnny Unitas didn't even play in the same league that Tom Brady, the rules were different. The game was complete. Like, it's ridiculous to say that. But I will say this. If you want to say something simple, this is how I look. I try to look at these things somewhat rationally. If you want to say, like, nobody in this league has ever achieved more than Tom Brady, I think you're right. When you look at Super Bowls, MVPs, I mean, he's the all-time leader in passing touchdowns. I mean, like, he's got the stats. He's got the trophies. Uh, both team and individual. I mean, like, I, can, I think it's a fair thing to say that nobody's ever done what Tom Brady has done. And I will sign off on that 100% because it's it's 100% accurate. Nobody has ever done what he did. But the GOAT thing aside, because I, apparently I'm the only person on earth that even thinks that. Then we get these tweets about is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time? Like, first of all, okay, can, can we just focus? First of all, like, just focus on what a great player he was and not with the, the nonsensical comparisons. Because first of all, as I joked on Twitter, and God forbid you ever joke about something on Twitter because people are going to be mad about it. But as I joked on Twitter, pretty much every one of his teammates were better athletes than he was. So let's reframe this. All I'm asking is for us to frame the conversation correctly because I think that Tom Brady is one of the all-time greats. And again, if you want to go with the whole idea of most accomplished, I mean, maybe the only guy that's even close to comparing is Bill Russell. When you talk about the combination of individual success and helping your team to the ultimate success. Like, I, I, you know, Michael Jordan would be right there too. But I mean, like, that's it. Those two, those three, and, and again, I also think we need to separate T 
team sports from individual sports. It is ludicrous to compare a team sport player to Jackie Joyner Kersey or Tiger Woods or Usain Bolt or anybody else that competes in an individual sport. It's just different because in the team sport, if you don't have quality teammates around you, you will not have the individual success. How many how many amazing quarterbacks have we seen in, in NFL history that never even got to a Super Bowl, let alone won one, because they never had the team around them? I mean, it's and you know, and then by that, and the counter argument too is like we had a lot of players that really weren't that great that did win Super Bowls, in some cases even multiple Super Bowls, but they had great teams around them that helped support them. So I, I do think that I want to focus on team sports, like team athletes versus individuals. I'm not going to compare Usain Bolt to Tom Brady, but I will compare Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Babe Ruth. Like we can do that and say, all right, which one of them achieved the most? And that's okay. But we got to be careful with the, to me, with the athlete thing, because then it gets all messy. And none of this really matters, right? Look, this is just a sports conversation. This isn't like solving a problem. This isn't going to affect anybody's life. It's just making, I want to make the arguments easier because they get messy. When you say greatest athlete of all time, and now we're going to get Bo Jackson's name, and we're going to get Jim Thorpe, and we're going to get Carl Lewis, and we're going to get uh, Serena Williams. Like the problem with saying best athlete, how do we, how are we defining this? Like who had the best physical skills? I mean, I've never seen anybody that could do the things that Bo Jackson could do. Tom Brady's not like that, but Tom Brady was amazingly successful. So, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just overthinking it, which is possible. I've been known to do that sometimes. But if you want to talk about the most successful athletes of all time, well, Tom Brady is in that discussion and maybe at the top of the list. And we got to throw in Gretzky and, and, uh, and Jordan... And we got to throw in Bill Russell. You know, there, there are a lot of great names that, that are in that Babe Ruth that are in that conversation. The most successful athletes in team sports. But it's not comparable to like Tiger Woods. What Tiger did completely was on his own. It's all about him. And it's not even him against his competitors. It's him against the golf course. You know, it's, it's Usain Bolt against the, the stopwatch. Nobody's defending against you. Nobody's trying to physically prevent you from doing the job. It's a different thing, and it's not better or worse. It's just different. It's it's silly to compare a sprinter to a quarterback. It just is. And by the way, if you're the what about secretariat guy, you need to stop. It's a horse. The least athletic horse on the planet is a better athlete than the most athletic human being. (laughs) Stop it. If you're saying that to be silly, stop it because people buy that stuff. (laughs) Just don't do that anymore. I'm going to change gears for the last segment. I got a couple of quick baseball stories. Uh, One, I want to get into something. A guy that I really like a lot is Doug Glanville, former outfielder, writes for ESPN, I think is a really sharp dude. Had a, he had a really interesting piece today about the Hall of Fame, but there's one part there I think is missing that I want to get into. And then I want to do a quick mention. Uh, Keith Law has his top 100 prospects out on The Athletic today. And uh, some Cardinals, well, some Cardinals are ranked pretty high. We'll get to both of those baseball stories next up on KMOX. 
All right, little baseball to finish this up. I know we've been football heavy here, which is uh, uh, obvious because we got a stupid lockout that's still going. Oh, by the way, a story today from Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic. Uh, we're, it's a long, really good read, a lot of information about the lockout, and then the last line says, they're not close. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly what it says, but it's pretty much damn near that. So, uh, yeah, we got that to look forward to here uh, for the next, probably the next month at least before they settle that out. It's it's definitely looking like spring training will not start on time. All right, speaking of baseball, let's do two quick hitters. I want to do one quick one on the Cardinals, and we can expand on this a little bit more uh, later in the week. But Keith Law's got his top 100 prospects out, and it's top 100 prospects season, right? It's that time of year where the, you know, the lists are coming out. Um, and we'll, I'll, later on when they're all out, we'll kind of contrast and compare. Uh, but Keith Law has four Cardinals in his top 100. In fact, four in the top 75. So you got Nolan Gorman at number 17. Interesting note there that uh, Keith thinks that Gorman is a 35 to 40 homer guy. <laughs> That's pretty good, in case you haven't checked. But he's got Nolan Gorman number 17 overall in baseball. Jordan Walker at number 30. Matthew Libertor at 38. And the young catcher, Yvonne Herrera, at number 75. So that's a good sign. You know, the, the Cardinals don't have the the depth of pitching prospects that they've had in recent years. I know they've traded a bunch of them away, which is why they don't have many. But they do have a couple to keep an eye on, like the, the McGreevy kid they took in the first round last year. He could be a guy that that takes a big jump forward this season. A few other guys that we'll, we'll keep an eye on moving forward. But those are the big four uh, and really positive reviews from Keith Law. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get into today on the baseball side was a, a Doug Landville column on ESPN.com that is is mostly, like mostly, really good. And it's his perspective on steroid users and the Hall of Fame. And and he's coming, to, coming at this topic as a clean player from the steroid era. And he's making the argument that guys like Bonds and Clemens and those others should not be in the Hall of Fame. Because of of their stereos. And again, I don't think it's... I think he makes the case pretty well for the most part. He's a super smart guy. I really like Doug Glanville. And and I would highly recommend reading it. It's not an insider piece. You can read it for free at ESPN.com. Because there's a lot of great insight from a guy that played during the era. But there's one part that's missing that bothers me. And it's because, you know, he's, he's looking at what those players did and how it cheated guys like him who did it clean, right? And there are a lot. I mean, I, I've heard this story many times. Uh, two guys that I love, two guys that I'm a huge fan of, uh, CJ Nitkowski and Ryan Spilborge. They both work on MLB Network Radio. They both have t- uh, jobs in, in the game. Uh, t- uh, CJ works for the Texas Rangers on their broadcast. Uh, Ryan Spilborge does some stuff with the Rockies. I love those two guys. And they were talking about this not long ago on MLB Network Radio, how they played clean. And they felt like, at least the way that Spillworks put it, they felt like they that you know they lost out. They didn't cheat. Other guys did, and other guys had better careers than they did, in part because of some of those substances. Now they were clear; they weren't comparing themselves to like Bonds and Clemens, but they were talking about how other fringe guys hung around longer, maybe got a little more playing time or made more money, in part because of what they used. And I think that's a valid argument. I think it's an important thing to understand the perspective of the clean players who were, let's be honest, taken advantage of by other guys. But I'm going to say there's one part in all of this that's missing that bothers me. 
And it's where was this from the clean guys at the time in the sport? Where were the clean guys when their teammates were juicing? Where were they go? Why were they not going to the union saying, listen, man, these guys are putting us in a bad spot where we might have to, where, where we can either choose to risk our health or risk our career because of what they're doing. We need to stop this. And none of them said a word, not a single word. Now that doesn't mean that the guys that, that didn't use that the clean players during the steroid era were to blame. They're not to blame. The cheaters are are to blame, but they're complicit. If you know a crime is being committed, if you know it and you're sitting there watching it happening and you do nothing, you don't intervene, you don't call someone, you don't you don't report it, you don't go public with it, you're complicit. Just like the managers were and the coaches and the general managers and the owners and the commissioner. Where was this energy when you could have done something about it? And there was a line in Glanville's piece, the one that bothered me, because, I, again, I, I love the, the topic. I think he really approached it in an intelligent way. And I'm, a, I'm an admirer of Glanville. I think he's a really good baseball analyst. I think he's a good dude. I've had him on, on radio shows a number of times. I like Doug Glanville. But this line really struck me weird. He said, you know... It, that there was a powerlessness about what he was doing, about about the circumstance. And what bothered me is the way that it was the focus on the other rather than on what was close to him. And he said in one part, he said, it was the same powerlessness I felt facing an opponent who had an unfair advantage. Which is a fair concern, by the way, right? You're clean. The guy on the other team that you're that's pitching against you, uh, or who's at the plate when you're a pitcher, the other guy that's that's cheating, and you know he has an advantage on you. It's great. Where is that sentence when it comes to your own teammates? Why is there never any focus on a player's own teammates? If you're clean and your teammates are doing it wrong. Where was your outrage at the time? And by the way, I understand why you don't say anything because then everything gets uncomfortable. Everybody, you know, in a team, you're supposed to be, you know, all of us against the world and we're not supposed, you're not supposed to rat anybody out. Like, well, okay. But if, if, if people that are doing things right don't hold people who cheat accountable, then there's no reason why people aren't going to continue to cheat. That's a part of this, I think, that needs better attention. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you. We'll be doing this again tomorrow night. My man Chris Ranji will join me tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday nights. So we'll have a lot of fun there. We'll have some baseball, football, you name it. We'll get to it all as we go along. Stick around. Top of the hour. You've got Hancock and Kelly at your service on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.